Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast. Before I jump into this week's episode, I just want to say a couple of housekeeping things. First of all, this week when I interview Justin Thomas, the author of The Principal's Toolbox, you're going to hear some great takeaways. Unfortunately, I failed to connect my mic correctly. So you're going to hear my audio sounding like I'm speaking through a tunnel and Justin's audio sounds better than mine, but I apologize ahead of time for the lack of audio quality on my part. Also, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to my friends who have been a part of the Principal Master's Mastermind. We have had several weeks together looking at my book, Pause, Breathe, and Flourish, Living Your Best Life as an Educator. And I just want to encourage you, if you've not checked out the book yet, you can go to Connect Ed 2 ds connected.org, or you can go to Amazon and look for Pause, Breathe, Flourish there. I'd love some feedback. There's already 11 reviews on Amazon, and I would love to have some more as many of my friends are reading and reflecting on that book together. And by the way, if you have not shared this podcast out lately with friends, please do. We are just shy of 480,000 downloads for Principal Matters. I'd love to see more people connect. And when you share it or rate it on iTunes, then more people become aware that it exists. So thanks for sharing it out with others. I hope you're having a fantastic week and looking forward to sharing this week's episode with you with Dr. Justin Thomas. Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 216. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast. Each week, I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, we're talking about a principal's toolbox with my guest, Dr. Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas is an elementary school principal serving students, faculty, and community near Nashville, Tennessee. And prior to his work in school administration, he enjoyed eight years as a middle school and high school band director. During his six-year tenure as principal of Nanny Berry Elementary, his school has been recognized multiple times by the Tennessee Department of Education for outstanding student growth and achievement gap closure. Dr. Thomas is the author of The Principal's Toolbox, Real Talk on Tackling School Leadership. The Principal's Toolbox is an honest look at many of the practical aspects of principalship. Dr. Thomas and his wife, Susan, enjoy their busy life with three daughters in Nashville, Tennessee. Dr. Justin Thomas, welcome to Principal Matters Podcast. I always like to ask my guests to fill in the gap on that intro and tell us something that listeners may be surprised to know about you. Well, thanks for having me today. I appreciate the time we're getting to spend together. Um, Guests may not know that uh, in my early years as I was teaching, I uh, was a wedding MC and uh, DJed a bunch of weddings. And, you know, when we had a reception start, we'd announce the wedding party and be sure all the champagne flutes were filled and that the caterer had the food hot. And so uh, that was a kind of a side gig that I did there for a while at the beginning of my teaching career. And not a lot of people know that about me. Yeah, well, I was just immediately thinking when I read that you were a band director that I was, I've always been so impressed with strong band directors' abilities to be good organizational managers. And so, Justin, when I, when I saw that you were a middle school band teacher, I, I, my first thought was, yeah, I bet you're a good principal because you've already had to take these huge maps of, of things that have to be organized 
months in advance and plan them out and prep and communicate to parents and communicate to students and make sure that you're rallying people around a common cause and keep them actually unified and happy about doing something really, really hard. And so uh, before we even jump into your book, I, I was just really intrigued. Maybe I've already said it for you, but how has your experience as a former band director helped you in your school leadership? Oh, I think you hit a lot of the points, but um, I think the interaction with community and stakeholders and understanding the power of optics that, uh, you know, you're only as supported to the, to the degree that you uh, tell the story and the narrative that you want told. Um, you're trying to bring people on board to your message in a way that is creative and uh, has to respect tradition in the community that you're in. So, yeah, there's a lot of natural correlation, management of funds and, you know, booster dollars and um, extra hours and evenings and weekends. So yeah, I think you see a lot of people that are, um, you know, certainly sports coaches, band directors that naturally transition over based on many of the same competencies that are required of the, the first job. Yeah. And I also think that, um, by the way, my two, uh, my high school kids are both in, in band here in Oklahoma. And I also, by the way, grew up in Northwest Tennessee. So my mom and dad live in Paris. So that's not too far okay. from Nashville. So yeah. I still have roots in the great state of Tennessee. Um, but yeah, I think you're, I think you're so right. And I think that um, there's also, when you talk about the optics, I think it's so important that you, that you're able to set a vision for where you want people to go. And that's one of the things I've always admired about strong music programs is the ability of people to take people from various backgrounds and talents and giftings and, and lead them like in one direction, which I think will lead to this conversation about your book, because you've been in school leadership now for the past six years and you wrote this great book, The Principal's Toolbox. And so tell us a little bit about that, Dr. Thomas. What motivated you to take your new experiences and put them into this resource? Well, you know, there's, a, there's plenty of literature that exists, I think, in the last, um, you know, 10, 12, 15 years. I shouldn't put a date on it. But, you know, one book that jumps out to me that's a great book is Simon Sinek, uh, Start With Why. And, of course, Leaders Eat Last. And, and Sinek has put out a, got a lot of good material and so a lot of the educational courses I've been involved with, this whole idea of start with why, what is your why, what's your motivation has come up. And it's so relevant. At the same time, I recognized that there were things that were happening in school with interactions with faculty members, with kids about instruction and data and money management. And, you know, where do you turn off the water when a, when a, a hose pipe bursts in the middle of the book room that weren't really addressed by the philosophical call of what your mission statement is. It's about surviving the first, the day of school. And mm -hmm. so all that to say that I started to make a list of things that, you know, that didn't really have to do with philosophy and vision, had to do with just doing the job and the what and the how. And, um, you know, in Cynics, he calls it his golden circle if you've watched any of his YouTube material, but he talks about how, you know, what and how are so on the periphery and really the, the why should be driving your work. And I agree. Um, in principle. At the same time, you know, your why doesn't help you too much when you got to do a master schedule or figure out how to cover a class during an IEP meeting that goes over or uh, when somebody's sick at the last minute and their kid can't come to school with them. And I mean, on and on. And it sounds so trivial, but I think I wrote the book largely for aspiring and new school leaders that wanted an opportunity to think about some of these things before they were faced with it. Um, in real time. And not that I have the answers. I told the last person I talked to, it's kind of the anti-expert book. And what I mean by that is, is that I don't profess to have the answer. I just think that people would do well to at least consider these scenarios um, before they face them themselves. And I hope that that's something that serves people well. 
Well, I, I love that. And I think that you're right. Whenever we step into school leadership, you're immediately confronted with all the things that you weren't prepared for. And so, um, which I think you've answered the question, how is this book different from other books that are available? So I, I want to unpack for a little bit. First of all, um, listeners, if you're interested in, in Justin's book, you can find it obviously on Amazon. Um, and it, again, it's called The Principles Toolbox by Justin Thomas. But you, you actually unpack more than 200 topics in your book that are just very practical just very practical how how to do's and and so Justin, as I was looking through your your uh, book content, there were several titles that stepped out to me, and we could spend an entire episode just on one of them but i I pulled three that I wanted to bring out in this conversation and just ask you to respond to them and um, listeners, you can see a copy of the book on Amazon as well as the the contents if you want to look at all the titles yourself but Talk first about feedback from non-teaching faculty. I was intrigued by that because I think sometimes in school leadership, our non-teaching faculty don't always get the same attention as our teaching faculty. So talk to us a little bit about why you included that as a, as a chapter in your book. So, you know, there are, there are a number of groups, teacher assistants, office staff, um, custodians, and of course, everybody's heard the, the, the tried and true wisdom. You know, if you really want to make your life at school pleasant, get in good with the front office clerk and the custodians. That's all very cliche. But I think when you think about teacher assistants, they work with all the different kids. They're with them personally and develop a relationship um, in the cafeteria, perhaps, if they do some duty there. You know, if you, you can humble yourself to be able to hear what they really have to say about how things are working, transitions in the hallway, safety, um, they just have a perspective that is a lot more global than maybe their position might lead you to reflect upon. Certainly the way that uh, I can tell you that I am afraid, this is my sixth year in our, in our school, to answer a lot of the questions at the front desk when the clerk is not there because I'm afraid I'm going to goof it up. I just joke, like I just work here. Um, and, and there's a t-shirt I've seen that says, if you want to talk to the man in charge or do you want to talk to the woman that knows what's going on, you know, there's just so much that can be gleaned about how your school is presenting itself uh, to the community, to parents. And if you can just, you know, turn off your your mouth for a little bit and hear what these people in these roles uh, have to say about how effective you're being uh, with customer service, with instruction, on and on and on. Um, it really behooves you and your, and your momentum in your school to, uh, to honor those voices. I agree. And one of the things that I love about our non-teaching staff is their ability to be on the front end almost more than anyone else of the kind of experience that are pe people are going to have when they walk into your building. And mm -hmm. so, you know, so one of the first things I did when I transitioned from assistant principal to high school principal is I sat down with my non-teaching staff and I was just really honest with them. I said, I don't know how to do your jobs. You know, I've been in the classroom and I've been an assistant principal, but I have never been an office secretary or a registrar or a professional or a school nurse. So please tell me, what you do. And so we, we created these shared Google Docs that each staff person created of the list of responsibilities that they had throughout the school. And together we began to shape, for me, a, a sense of job description for each of them that helped me be a better principal because then I actually knew what their main tasks and responsibilities were, Justin. And it also gave me an opportunity to coach those first responders, those people on the very front end of the school to become the kind of um, culture setters that, that, that you want for your school too, because you know, when someone walks in your building, they either feel like an intruder or a guest. Mm -hmm. And, and that's the last thing you want is anybody to walk in to feel like they're intruding or just visiting. 
Right. Um, you you want them to feel like they're a guest, and those you're, so I was so so happy that you included a chapter on non-instructional staff. Any any other any other feedback on that? No, I just think pretty much to highlight, I like that your model of uh, you know being candid and saying there's not enough of me to have the expertise to be the one to lord over you. On paper, I'm the guy, but uh, I really am nothing without you being satisfied, um, competent, and and being able to define what the what the work is that you're supposed to be doing. So, you know, it's still Jerry Maguire line: help help me help you uh, to 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 accomplish what we're trying to get done here. But you got to tell me first. I love that. All right, here's another topic from your book. Things that aren't your thing are your thing. I'd love for you to take us there for a minute. You know, you just, there's no way you can escape the association of you personally and your leadership competence with things happening with your school. So some examples might be, um, you know, if there's a, there's a, an assembly in the gym and, you know, half the light bulbs are out because the breaker went off two days beforehand and the electrical guys haven't gotten there yet. You know, nobody's going to care that the story is that this took place. All they're going to know is it looks bad in there and nobody can see and somebody's going to fall. And, um, or all manner of things, the floor, the floor is slippery. Um, a teacher got impatient with a child and raised their voice in a way that was unkind. Now, none of these things are directly in your control, but the culture of expectation of how we talk to families and kids is your thing. Um, the building being manicured inside and out and putting on a good uh, presentation is your thing. Um, mm -hmm. How one teacher in first grade looks at evaluating student reading versus another and there being inconsistencies. Again, all perfectly explainable that, you know, who would expect a person to have total handle on all the directly? Because you don't. But at the same time, you know, you take responsibility for that as, as it's all under your purview and the structures you establish um, are the ones that, that ultimately people will say the quality of your school, you know, they got to come back to somebody, Harry Truman, buck stops here. And you have to be comfortable with it. And I think I wrote that chapter more to say, not that you can prevent every mishap that will take place, but you have to be comfortable mentally with the idea that as part of my contract with myself, I'm, I'm emotionally setting myself up to be, when I take this job, I agree to what comes with it. And that's one of the things that comes with it is everything, even little things aren't, aren't your thing, they're your thing. Um, mm -hmm. If that makes, if I said that clearly enough. Yeah, and spoken like a true band director too, because I know that in, um, I, I'm gonna guess in your experience too, that there were many things that you were never trained to do mm -hmm. and you ended up managing in those situations. Like every year I'm just blown away when I watch uh, the band directors that my, my own children work with at what they create or build literally build or create in order to make something happen in performance. And I'm thinking their, their master's degrees never prepared them for, yeah. for what, for what they just pulled off. And, uh, and I think you're, you're right. I think when school leaders embrace that same attitude, which is, I may, this may not be my thing. And I think it also applies to um, interests and activities. And so I know you don't know me personally, Justin, but you know, I, I played sports in school, but I've never really been a huge sports guy. You know, I, I don't spend my weekends watching sports. I enjoy them when I see them. But whenever I stepped into school leadership, I, I decided that I needed to own the love of the teams from in my school. And I needed to own a love for the future farmers of America in my school. I needed to own a love for the art program in my school. I needed to show up for the band performances in my school. So even though not all of those things were things that I naturally had bent towards, they became mine. 
because yeah. uh, and so I think it applies not only to those small tasks within your school, but also to the the people in your school and yeah. their in, their interests become your interests too. I think it's fascinating. Of course, you know my experience six years in elementary um, principalship and two years in an AP position before that. You know the breadth of my experience in admin has been elementary. So it's fascinating to hear you talk about the perspective of a high school principal that you know the extracurricular activity is so vast and it's you know so it's funny when you read a chapter title that says things that aren't your thing etc you know your mind probably first goes to you know athletics may not be my thing ffa may not be my thing but it's just as relevant and i, I appreciate that uh, sort of con contrasting viewpoint because um yeah i mean you don't naturally have to be interested in something yourself to recognize the responsibility of uh, you know you're waving the flag of your school all the time regardless of the pursuit Mm -hmm. And I love how you applied it to academics also, because I think so, so, so often when a principal steps into this new role, they feel a little intimidated when they're being asked to provide feedback for a subject area or curriculum content that's not their expertise. And so sure. I, think that, I think that applies to academically. It may not be your thing, but you're going to find really quickly that your ability to understand strong pedagogy and really ask those essential questions. What are kids supposed to be learning and are they learning it? Mm -hmm. Apply apply to every subject, every grade level. And so I imagine you've had that same experience too, stepping into uh, content areas that weren't maybe naturally the areas where you taught. Oh, 100%. I mean, especially as an arts teacher, it's almost predictable that when people sniff out that, you know, you weren't a um, academic core content teacher, that, uh, you know, who, who is this guy? What's he got to offer me? But as you pretty much just alluded to, there is so much power, especially with a really effective teacher in quality of questioning and leading a reflection where, you know, you're not the one that's the expert. You're, you're essentially letting them ruminate on the things they already know, which I think does some great things. It allows them to sort of recommit themselves to the things they believe in, to identify their own weaknesses that they see. I mean, most people are their own worst critic, especially the ones that work the hardest. And they pretty much lead those meetings on their own. Uh, if you just, uh, you know, pull the strings the right way, the puppet will dance. And, and yeah. usually the puppet, come, puppet comes out feeling uh, more confident than even they went before. And all they did was listen to themselves talk largely. Yeah, and I think that's, that's an important part of, of coaching in any situation is realizing that the person, him or herself, is always going to come up with a better solution typically than you will. Yeah. And so, so guiding them to the place where, where they discover the answers for themselves and guiding them to, well, to self-discovery. It's not any different than classroom teaching, Justin. Yeah. Guiding your student to self-discovery is always going to be more um, meaningful than giving them the answers. And yeah. so, uh, and so, it's so, you know, instructional coaching is the same way. It's, it's helping other people figure out and reflect deeply enough so that they can see, oh, this is where I need to grow and then can articulate that with you. And so our responsibility as school leaders is to help them guide them through those, those conversations too. I, I love, I love how you're unpacking that. Okay. So this next question is, or this next topic from your book, I think must be an elementary thing because I just had to ask this one, the, the booger test. Oh, I knew you were going to do it. I knew you were going to do it. So this is going to surprise you. So this one has to do with, um, having uncomfortable conversations with people that are necessary. So the way I frame the topic, and this is actually in some of the preview material on the Amazon site that you can actually look at, is if your best friend had a booger hanging from his nose, would you tell him or not? And, and I get into the idea that it'd be uncomfortable for him to hear, it's not fun for you to tell them, but they need to know. And then I start to draw a correlation between school things. You know, if, if you have a teacher who has a really grating, whiny voice and their kids tune them out, 
that's going to be really painful for that person to hear. But, you know, if they're going to be effective and they want to, and they're frustrated and they want the performance to improve and their kids to be engaged, the most loving thing to do may be to tell them that, uh, you know, I've noticed that maybe your, your, your presentation has a little bit, a little bit noisy or grating, or, you know, there's all kinds of feedback you can give people. And what I say is that, you know, it's appropriate if it's something they have the power to change. If, if somebody, you know, I'm never going to be an NBA basketball player. So giving me a hard time about why I'm 5'10 and don't try hard enough, like I'm never going to be an NBA center. It would not be fair of you to criticize me for not being in the NBA. Um, but there are situations with personnel that it's a really uncomfortable place to go to say, you got a little thing right there, you know, uh, but it's, it's out of love and care for them that you don't want them to go out there to embarrass themselves, to be ineffective because they want to be better than they are. And if they have a blind spot, that's, that's mainly what it's about is if somebody has a blind spot, you're willing to go to that place and experience the discomfort of addressing it just briefly enough for the outcome that is needed um, to really serve them. Oh, that's a great way to describe that. And, you know, it is, um, yeah, I, I don't think I can add anything to that, Justin. That's a great way to think about um, how do you address the things that are within the control of other people? Because you're right, you may have a teacher that um, has a voice quality that they can't change, but if they're yelling at kids, if all kids hear is, is this, um, this for lack of a better description, a, a screeching, angry person, mm -hmm. uh, that's something that can change. I mean, because right. that, that's, and if something that if it doesn't change, there's never going to be the kind of climate or culture in that room where kids yeah. are going to want to learn. So I love that. Okay, so the Booker test has been answered. So in your, <laughs> in your book preview, you talk about how that you believe that the keys to success revolve around growth and gratitude. The idea that all members of a school can get better and that a spirit of thankfulness is key to strong culture. Unpack that a little bit, Justin, about why you, why you focus so much on, on growth and gratitude. So for, with growth, um, you know, we live, we've lived for so long in this very much achievement culture of, you know, A, B, honor roll. And, and frankly, there, there are, to use that example, there are children that you know, may not ever have the academic aptitude to be recognized in that fashion. However, if you've got kids that go from, uh, you know, a 70 in chemistry to an 85, they're still not in the honor roll. But to me, that is just as, just as if not more exciting than a child that went from a 94 to a 96, you know, uh, certainly achievement should be celebrated. We want all children to achieve at the highest possible levels. Uh, but we don't want to leave people, and I mean adults too, um, when a first year teacher gets their classroom management together. Their colleague across the hall, who is in their 10th year, may not think anything of that. That's just, they've been good at that for a long time. But we gotta celebrate the, the, the growth we make against ourselves. And that, that's for our faculty, that's for ourselves as principals, that's for students. And I think that really opens up the playing field to provide people with an opportunity um, to be winners because uh, you know, you're, you're always measuring yourself against yourself. And that's really all that matters. Uh -huh. And ultimately, the people that grow enough become achievers. Um, but we, we have to acknowledge where they are in their journey early on in the process and celebrate along the way. With yeah. gratitude, um, I started something a few years ago I called the Friday Five. And I, well, all it is is at the end of every week, I send the whole faculty an email. And it's just five things I'm grateful for from the week. It could be an inside joke that a teacher and I shared. It could be a really great moment where a student did something extraordinary. Um, but it's a way for, for me to say to the faculty, look, there's no way I can, I can acknowledge and affirm you 
the way you deserve as often as you deserve. There's not enough of me to go around to give you what is your due. However, I can be the kind of person that is thankful and is grateful. And when I see something, I call it out, I celebrate it. And, uh, you know, and it's sort of become this, this, this fun thing where, you know, people, it means a lot to them to, to get appreciated for being a teacher assistant that was extra um, patient with a student in the hallway that has emotional disturbance concerns or um, a custodian that we caught out by the roadside picking up trash that wasn't in his job description. Like, I see you. I see you doing it, and I know you don't do it for the praise. You do it because you're awesome and you're dedicated. Um, but you know, for it to be the kind of place where excellence and uh, of character and achievement is recognized, I think is culturally a really strong thing. And um, you know, we have enough negativity in our life. It's great to, you know, reflect on the things that are worth being grateful about. I love that, and you know, it's it's kind of the concept of the unsung hero too. It's giving yourself an opportunity. There's a really great podcast that I love to listen to called Hidden Brain by um, Shankar Vanantam. And at the end of every episode, he always says, this week's unsung hero is, and he'll name someone on his staff, sometimes the custodian in the building. And it's really weird. I might listen to 30 minutes of great content that he's unpacking. And it's that little moment at the end that always touches me the most because yeah. he's, he's taken time to recognize the people around him who made it possible for him to do his job. And so for principals, when we recognize the people within our buildings, I love that, that five, what did you call it on Fridays? The Friday five, the Friday five. So the Friday five is just a, is a great tip for consistently recognizing the people on your team that are making school what it is. And so that's fantastic, Justin. Well, one, one piece I'll add to that is um, that's important to know is I will email myself um, throughout the week. If there's something I want to be in the Friday five, and it might be Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning, um, you know, I'm all over the building. So I, I'm not always at my desk to think about it or come up with it on Friday afternoon, but it gives me little pops of things to reflect about like, oh, that's worth being in Friday five. And so it's, it's a good little jolt of adrenaline for myself, you know, in the middle of a dreary Tuesday morning to just like, oh, that's going to be good. I can't wait to affirm that person and call them out. Um, mm. So it's, it's good for me too. It's, it's somewhat selfish as well. Oh, I love it. And uh, I've been, that's a practice that, um, that I have used as well. And even now in the work that I'm doing, because I full time now support principals across uh, my state. And then of course, through the work I do with principal matters. But all week long, I'll send myself notes like that, too, uh, as I see things that I want to make sure I include to share out. And that began as a habit as a principal, um, just sending myself those same kind of notes. I, I called mine kudos emails mm. when I would shoot out a kudos and it would have just a list of things like that, too, Justin. And it's just it's not only a great way to build culture within your own staff. It's a great way for you as a leader to practice gratitude as well. It, it helps you remember that yeah. there are some great things happening here. And it also gives you, especially doing it on Friday, it gives you the last word. It gives you an opportunity to end the week reminding people that even though this may have been a tough week, there were great things that are happening in this school. So I want to transition. You know, I really feel like we could have, we could have the entirety of this conversation within or without the context of COVID-19. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't want to miss an opportunity to ask you, um, for those people who are listening right now, you're going to have principles that are, that are weary um, you're going to have some that are in places where there's very little exposure. So maybe they've had uh, protocols, but not necessarily like large numbers of kids being quarantined. But you're going to have other people listening to this who are in really difficult scenarios where uh, numbers are high, either uh, large populations are still at home, or maybe they've got mixed hybrid things happening in their in their communities. And 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 I would love to hear a little update on how things are going in Nashville, in that area, in your community, 
And then how are you and your staff handling th- this current condition that you guys are managing? I mean, it's, it's certainly a weird time. I and mean, 2020 is the weirdest year in the history of the universe. And I wasn't here for a lot of those, but I'm going to go ahead and declare that as the case. Um, you know, Metro Nashville Public Schools, I'm in a suburban community outside of Nashville, but Davidson County Metro, um, they, are, they are slowly coming back. High school won't return until January, but um, our school district uh, has come back a little faster. And, you know, it's all the, the same disinfecting protocols and masks uh, and et cetera. But I think what I want to kind of draw attention to is the, the resilience of teachers and all, and all school personnel in any context. Um, when we were started full virtual, we have teachers that are virtual with aptitudes and competencies they never thought they'd have to draw upon, have just, come, they've risen to the occasion. And I think that's, if there's one thing you can say about teachers is that um, there's, there's not a lot that scares them off. Uh, they just, they're doers, they, um, it's just remarkable. I mean, you, you can appreciate as a principal yourself that, a lot of the praise that may be directed at you because people associate your school with you as the brand. Um, it's almost embarrassing sometimes because there's so much that happens that is good, that is entirely um, to be credited toward everybody else. And it's such an honor to be a part of that. It's, it's humbling. It's, it's, like I said, it's almost embarrassing, but I think um, the way that they've served people through virtual means, they've connected with parents. We, we had a first grade teacher tell us today that she's fully virtual. And she said, I know my kids and their families better than I've ever known a class before in 20 something years of teaching because you know, their mom is right there behind them on the screen. And I, I wonder if I can get together with them and go to the meet in three place and, and, and buy lunch for them, you know, because some of the kids don't even live in our community. They're 25 miles away in our school district and she's responsible for teaching them. And, you know, finding the silver lining to an otherwise very difficult proposition. And um, so, yes, it's been hard. Uh, yes, there have been obstacles. But really, if you think about it, there's never a year where there aren't some weird circumstances that come up. This was just a little more obvious for everybody. It's the same kind of like, oh, my goodness. Um, so really, I only have kind of positive reflections because, look, we're in this thing. No, no, no sense boohooing too much. It's happening. I mean, you can't undo it. There's no don't accept button on this whole situation. So um, I've just been blessed to see the way people have worked around us, uh, solve problems, and um, Really, I think the last thing I'll say about it is our staff has really recognized the importance of that eight-year-old kids and 10-year-old kids, you know, they don't have the bandwidth to really process all that's happening. And the more we can provide as much normalcy and security as possible, I mean, kids take their cues from us. If we can model resilience, um, that is the best gift we can give children right now is to be those people in their lives that acted the right way during this time period. Mm, thank you so much, Justin. Well, best wishes to you and your amazing teachers and staff. And thank you for that reminder that teachers are resilient and students are resilient. And we're going to grow through this situation as, as much as we um, still don't know about what the future holds for us. What we do know is that our teachers that uh, are committed teachers and our resilient students um, are going to be able to, to grow through this process too, not just um, not just be stretched, but but to grow also. I would love to um, just wrap up this conversation by just asking you to share ways that Principal Matters listeners can stay connected with you, Justin, and then any parting words of wisdom um, as we wrap up this conversation about uh, tools for, for principals. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you for having me on here at the end of the day. I know you worked a full day as well, and um, I just think that uh, you know, we want to keep the conversation going about, as far as some of the book content's concerned, that uh, those that are aspiring and new leaders need an opportunity to 
to dabble in, in some of the, the concepts and challenges that they'll inevitably face and would encourage them to keep uh, supporting one another in doing that. And um, I can be contacted. Um, my Twitter handle is probably the best one is at happy teacher guy. And uh, as a matter of fact, I, I want to go ahead and let listeners, if you want to direct message me, I'm going to give a couple of copies of the book away that I will ship out to you and, uh, and, uh, and send that way if, you, if it's for you yourself or somebody in your life that's an aspiring or new principal that uh, might benefit for, from some thought calisthenics, then uh, at Happy Teacher Guy, send me a direct message and I'll be happy to send you a, a copy for the first few to get back with me. Ah, so Principal Matters listeners, for those of you that were the first to open this week's episode you better jump on Twitter right now and go to Happy Teacher Guy. Send a quick message to Justin and get a copy of his great book in the mail. Well, Justin Thomas, what a pleasure to connect with you, my friend. You know, the work that principals are doing, I know we talked about this before we started this recording, is, you know, we're often we're isolated in the work that we're doing, but we have so much in common, uh, whether it's uh, in Tennessee or whether it's in Oklahoma or whether it's in, on the coast of the U.S. or even across the world because I have listeners that are in other uh, countries outside of the U.S. too. Um, this work is so important. So thank you for the work that you're doing, Justin, every day. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you for what you do because what you do matters. And we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, this is fun. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at William D. Parker dot com.